Here we go. I know it's hard. It's so much fun. Here we go. Transfiguration. Here we go. Here we go. O Christ our God, you were transfigured on the mountain and you manifested your glory to the disciples as they were able to bear it. Beam down your everlasting light upon us, your servants, that we may see your glory and we may enter your sufferings and we may proclaim you to the world, O you who gives light in the darkness and you yourself are the light of all human beings. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. You're all excitable today. So it's, an, it's, of course, a beautiful day. I, you know, like I listen to mommy preach and I go, how does, how does he actually do that? You know, and I listen to Patrick preach. I go, I can't believe quite he can do that. I mean, the run of pastors that preach here, it's really quite startling. You're, a, you know, it's a great treasure to have these uh, experts from out of town with slides come in and like show off a little bit, isn't it? It's good stuff. So you're excited, and I have to stop late because we're, you know, we have four or five people missing today, and then we have past, more pastors, we have more guest pastors coming in at the late service, so I have to, and two baptisms, so there's a lot going on. So I, my timer is set for 35, which would be, you know, roughly the same as one of you sawing me in half in a magic show and me still living. You know, can I get done by 35? I can't be sure. So, uh, but it's transfiguration, which means it's Lent. Now, Every once in a while, you know, I take you through the very, very long uh, explanation of fasting, which I've printed out here. Now, sometimes I, you know, even I can't remember what I said last year at this time, so maybe you did. However, you know, because we don't want to lose our ESG rating, I only printed 50 of these, and you can, I'm going to give you the short version verbally, but I want to do something else. But if you want or have never had or never been here for the long explanation of fasting. Um, I'm going to put it back with these people because most of these people don't steal. And there's a couple of them, <laughs> couple of them here that you couldn't quite be sure of. So, uh, and then I'm going to try to get you going on Lent. So, you know, this is my last swing at you. So what have I got to lose? Let's start with history. Okay. Now I cast my eyes around the room to see if any of the if none of the people who were here when it happened, I don't think they are. That means I can tell the story any way I want. My first Lent at St. John. Yes, you, some of you know this story. My first Lent at St. John. Everything is a tizzy. When I came, it was just Pastor Eifert, and so, you know, who knew what was going on, and there was so much to do, and da-da-da. So it, it comes to be, you know, Shrove Tuesday, and I walk past a secretary in the school, and I said, do you have ashes here? Yeah, we have ashes here every year. Fabulous. So I go to the Catholic bookstore, I trundle over there, buy the ashes, set them all up. We have the new service, and I announce and mark people with the ash. After the service, I was met by a very prominent member of the congregation who says, this is an outrage. We've lost confidence in you. You'll have to go. I've only been here nine months. And of course, my wife had said to me, don't blow the Wheaton gig. So, uh, <laughs> I said, what do people do? You blame things on other people. I said, I asked the secretary. First, I have no idea what you mean, but we've never had ashes here. I said, 
Okay, so I went back to see the secretary. I said, I thought you said we have ashes here. She said, well, in the school. <laughs> so what did I do? They had the evening service. I pulled the ashes off. When it says impose the ashes, I pretend like nothing's there. <laughs> I come back to the vestry. I can't even get my stole off. And a very prominent member of the congregation walks in. Where are the ashes? I heard we had ashes. I haven't come to Ash Wednesday for years because we don't have ashes. I've completely lost confidence in you. You have to go. That is the text. All else is commentary. So, you know, I mean, this is what it is to be a pastor, of course, right? Well, suddenly, you know, we've gotten farther down the line than that a bit. And so um, here we come to Ash Wednesday. Do we have ashes? We'll have them on Wednesday early. Now, last year we were um, stunned by the number of people who came to morning Eucharist for ashes. So uh, you're kind of that demographic. We're going to have Ash Wednesday morning. We'll be at the high altar, even though there won't be. It'll be the morning Eucharist service, but at the high altar because we can't. I think we had 135 or 40 last year. We can't accommodate that many. We have people sitting, you know, in the sanctuary for morning Eucharist, which is not good practice. So there'll be ashes early and ashes late. You should come and get them if you like. Now, of course, the real question is, you know, why Lutherans didn't do that after the church had done it for a thousand years. And, you know, why would you do it or why wouldn't you do it? So I give you point number two. This then is what I wrote. Oh, oh no, wait. Um, let's see. Uh, this is what you'll hear. This is the gospel, right, for Wednesday. Now, here is the very, very important thing for you to realize about this gospel. Jesus presumes, he presumes that if you're a disciple, you will, in fact, pray fast and give alms. And these are classically known as the great disciplines of Lent. Uh, I know because Mark Wahlberg keeps popping up on my Instagram telling me that he will lead me through if I download the right app. Wonderful young guy. You actually have to respect him for what it takes to be a Catholic in his line of work. So, um, you know, I just, I, you know, we're going to read this quickly because, you know, I only have nine minutes left or something, but we, we have to read this quickly. But the thing is, what I want you is to realize, as Jesus says, when you do this, as in, you're going to do this. Everybody does this. This is what people do. If you follow me, you do what I do. I do this, you do this. Everybody does this, right? So the whole notion that you wouldn't pray, give alms, or fast, which is another hot button for Lutherans, you just kind of go, the text, the text, all you sola scriptura folks, like, strap in. It's Lent, Matthew 6, here you go. Beware, practicing your piety before others, in order to be seen by them. So you shouldn't do things to be seen by other people. That's straight up Lutheran stuff. You don't do your good stuff to earn anything from anybody. This is like, you know, you couldn't get more Lutheraner than this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. And now, now, but here, you know, you never get the whole shot. Now this will set your Lutheran teeth on edge because then you'll have no reward from your fathers in heaven. You're going to get a reward another way, which of course makes you already nervous. But I just remind you, justification is being forgiven and sanctification is living forgiven. You have to keep those two things straight. And it's not bad once in a while. A, if the Heavenly Father slips you a hundred bucks once in a while, just go with it. Say thank you and move on, okay? This is in the text. Thus, 
when you do in fact, like a good Lutheran and all other disciples of mine, like the 12 apostles, like me, and like everybody who's ever joined the church, when you do in fact give to the needy, classically known as giving alms, when you in fact do, when you do this, everybody does this, don't blow the trumpet, don't be a hypocrite, don't look to be praised by others, then you get your reward. Better would be when you do in fact give to the needy because that's what everybody does. We just do it. This is what we do, right? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Let it be a secret. And don't worry, the father will slip you a hundred bucks. It says it right here in the text. In one way or another, your heavenly father's going to reward you in this life or the next. So everybody just calm down and read your scriptures. So, I mean, almsgiving is a regular thing that people do. We have the manna fund, for example, and uh, we do it because when people are in need, we give to them. Here it is right here. It's in the text. Basic, basic stuff. And when you pray, it just presumes you're going to pray. It doesn't say, I know you struggle with prayers. I know you don't like freeform prayers. Or I know you don't like brook prayers. I don't like... It's none of that. It's just... When you pray, that's what Christians do. They pray, you should pray, I pray, everybody prays, the church prays, learn to pray, pray more. It's all right here. When you pray, you know, you can, you can bend, nudge, shape, spindle any way you want. Christians pray, okay? If you don't pray, you're not a Christian because Christians pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrite. You stand outside, you got your, you know, you on street corners that they may be seen by others. See, the beware thing is, Doing it for other people rather doing it for the Lord. Do it in public rather do it than private. Okay, and we can talk all about that if we needed to. But the one thing I want to try to do for Lent is to get you to pray a bit. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father, put down your phone, leave your kids and family behind, spend some time with your father who sees in secret, right? And he'll reward you. This is great. So you're, you're two for two already. It's beautiful. Lent is beautiful, right? And when you fast, right? Because everybody fasts. If you're a Christian, you fast. How Lutherans ever gave a fasting, you just kind of go, the text, the text. Love the languages like you love the church, says Luther. When you fast, don't look gloomy. You know, you don't need to be talking about it. Don't screw up your faces so other people see you. That's all the reward that'll happen. But when you fast, because everybody does, I do, everybody does, you know, like Jesus goes into the wilderness to, you know, fast and pray. And then when he comes back, he gives alms to the needy, right? When you anoint your head and wash your face, and you, you know, that it's not seen by others, but by your father who sees in secret and your father will reward you three for three. And then of course, the great reason why you do fast or you don't fast, you do give alms or don't give alms, um, you do pray or you don't pray because it's this or that. Here it is. Where your treasure is, there your heart. If you struggle to pray, it's because your treasure is in the wrong place. If you struggle to give alms, it's because your treasure is in the wrong place. If you struggle to fast, it's because your treasure is in the wrong place. Here it is. The text is the text is the text, okay? Don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth. That would be all the other people see it and you say what a good boy you are where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in a steal because these things are temporary and they will disappear. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, you know, like a second hundo from your heavenly father when you get there. Don't worry, he's good for it. And neither rust nor moth destroys. Thieves don't break in and they don't steal. Where your treasure, there your heart. So the whole point, of course, is to 
identify, to see and choose what's treasure, and then to adore, embrace, practice, rejoice in, just like this morning. It was fabulous this morning. It's just it couldn't be. The sermon was magnificent. There wasn't a wasted comma. Every word meant something. The music was unbelievable, right? It was just like, it's just kind of off the charts. You go, how can this even happen? So there you go, right? Where your treasure. So what? And I'm on the clock and I'm aware of this. So I just am going to kind of push you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Have ashes and alms and prayers and fasting, right? As uh, Madeline says, believing takes practice. And Lent is 40 days of practice. It's 40 days of practice in being a Christian, whether you feel like it or not. Time's up. Lent starts on Wednesday. You've got a couple of days to get prepared. Okay. Uh, ashes I maybe need to say the least about because I said the most about in the past. But I give you this thing that I wrote, you know, probably 20 years ago about why you would do it. It's basically, if it helps your piety, do it. If it doesn't help your piety, don't. The problem for us is we misdefine our piety. We, we confuse it with our feelings. I don't really feel like doing that, right? You know what? Get your ashes and wear them all day. Your life will change. Some people will say you're fabulous and some people will cross the road and walk on the other side, right? It's just the way it is. If you wear your ashes around all day, you don't have to, I'm just saying, your life will change. You might wanna just try it and see what happens. You might test the great toleration of America in our day and in our age, okay? But to kind of move you through this quickly, um, here comes Lent. It can really be good for you to have some ashes. And so it comes from the Middle Ages, and there's a double meaning in ashes, right? In the Middle Ages, um, people used to throw the ashes in the air, come barefoot, come in sackcloth, mark it on themselves. And it was, you know, you are dust and to dust you shall return. It was the great mark of that. So with our ashes, we confess what we know about our sins ourselves. We wear our sins on our brow. And of course, everything can go wrong. And you're smart enough to know this. The great liturgical rule is from Nagel. When it grows too big, you trim it back. And when it's too small, you nourish it. So you ask yourself the question about Lutherans. Are we too in love with ashes or not in love enough? Almost universally, it's we're not in love enough with it. And I never heard anybody say who was a Lutheran, I'll get some ashes to earn my way into heaven. We don't need to fight battles we don't have. You know what our battle is? We're proud. That's one of the battles. We're unrepentant. That's a battle. When we kneel down in church, we can't think of anything, even in that 20 seconds, not one thing to say I'm sorry for. That's a problem. One of the ways you can solve the problem is to have somebody say to you, you know, you're going to die. And you might want to think about what it would be like to square up with the Lord if you've got a suitcase full of sins going with you. And take it from me, that's a bad idea. So, memento mori where we started this year, remember your death, and then use it towards your life. It's exactly the same thing. Memento mori is exactly the same thing as having ashes. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. And at the end of your return, there'll be a resurrection, which you heard about this morning. So, um, if you need you know, a children's lesson, you remember that uh, 
ashes weren't just about things gone bad, they were also used for soap, right? There's an early medieval substitute for soap. You use ashes to clean things. So that gives you a nice law gospel distinction. They're the way of death, but they're also the way of holiness and light. And that should be the last word. And you notice that when you get your ashes, they're marked on you in the sign of the cross, and they're marked on you at exactly the same point where the pastor anointed you at your baptism, if you were lucky enough to be anointed, or at least, at the very least, mark the sign of the cross on your forehead. There's two baptisms, which means we'll mark kids 10 times today at the font. Pay attention. You touch the kid, mark them again. Exorcism, mark them. Baptize them, mark them. Anoint them, mark them. Lord's Prayer, mark them. Bless them at the end, mark them. Trace ashes on, mark them. That's what happens, right? Now, with all of this intense pressure, you know, you don't have to do it. But I also would say to you, like I'm going to say about all these things, if you've never done it, uh, you should probably just do it to see what would happen to you. And I'm going to say that about fasting and alms and, prayer and prayers, right? You should just like, you know, you should take a swing at Lent because it's going to be over in 40 plus 6 days. You should just take a swing at it. And you should take a swing at it in the way of the gospel. You should say, toward the end here, faith finds an aid but not a ground in this ancient custom. The only ground for faith and life is Christ. So see, I just want to encourage you to get the ashes to see if it helps. If it doesn't help, okay, but maybe you should do it 10 times in a row. Like maybe we come, we'll meet back here in 10 years, and if you do it for 10 years, then let me know if it doesn't help. Then I'd probably be good with it. But a one-off, yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, some of you aren't going to be here in 10 years, so I'd start now. Uh, I didn't say you'd die necessarily. I didn't go right to death. <laughs> All right? Almsgiving. A quick thing for you who haven't been with me before uh, for this kind of thing, uh, or at least a memory for the rest of you. This is just really fast stuff, okay? There's two kinds of giving in Scripture. There's ordinary giving and extraordinary giving. Or extraordinary giving is when you build the temple or the tabernacle. This, I go to bed and pray at night. I don't know what you pray for. This is what I pray for, as do all other pastors. I pray for a time when the St. John staff will go on strike just like these workers in the Old Testament went on strike. And their grievance? The people have brought so much money, the entire basement is stuffed full. Next door, that big building, full, full, full. Even the lurt truck, full of gold bars, full, full, full. Tell the people to stop, we can't get anything done. All we do all day is count money. <laughs> hey, you pray for dumb stuff too. Okay, so, just look at the text. You know the text, the text, all you Lutherans. Right at the bottom of the page, the craftsmen were doing, who were doing all the work each came from the tasks he was doing. They quit working, turned the page, and they said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses had a voters meeting. No, he did not. He stood up like a pastor and he said, nobody can bring no more money to this sanctuary. That's it. We're done now. And they had to put up barriers with fixed bayonets to stop the people from bringing money. That's the text in the Hebrew. That's what it says, Exodus 36, 2 to 7. 
There are like two of you who know whether you said it or not, so there you go. This is the normal way of the church. This should be our relationship. You should bring so much money that I ask you to please stop. I'm waiting. <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, that's extraordinary giving. Here's ordinary giving, okay? A tithe means 10%. It actually doesn't mean 2.7%, you Missouri senators. Uh, and here it is. It's 10% of everything. It's the first and not the last. You bring the last, it's the sort of thing that could have Cain kill Abel. That's over last fruits, in part. You bring 10%, a real 10%, you bring your best, and you bring it right now, don't delay. This is hilarious, man. You, this could have been written about any Lutheran church in America right now. Uh, I'll give what I have left over, and there's not that much left over, and uh, hmm, I'll bring it toward the end of the year just to make sure there's something left over. What? I, I leave you with the text. Also, alms are a bit more, and you have this in Jesus' words, the poor you'll always have with you, right? And it's in Exodus too. You've done all your other giving, and then you look around, and there's still poor people. And the poor people need to be taken care of, right? So here's my assignment for Lent, if you want to play. Here's what I suggest that you do. I think almost anybody can do this, and if you can't do this, I will help you do this. I'll, put, I'll front you the cash, okay? I, and I'm actually serious about this. Get 40. There's 40 days in Lent plus the Sundays, right? The Sundays are free. You don't, you don't need to fast or keep it. You can keep your fast on Sunday if you want, but traditionally Christians did not. It's 40 plus 6. Sunday is the Sabbath. Jesus is coming back. You'd only be fasting if it made you happy that you had a big steak waiting for you later, okay? I would take for you... Um, you find $41 bills or $45 bills or $40 bills. Now here at St. John, I'd like to offer a new program. It would be like premium economy almsgiving and then business class giving and first class giving. So if there are those among you who want to go to hundreds or thousands or more, I will personally help you with your almsgiving this. If you want to go 40 times a thousand, come and talk to me. I will help you personally. Because our best clients should get the best. This is what the airline does to me. So this is why I always board last. Okay, so here we go. You get 40 everything. And this is what I want you to do. If you take $40, I'm dead serious. Go to the bank, get 40 singles, put them in a sack, and on Ash Wednesday, take one and give it away to somebody in need. Just like the scriptures say, because you know the poor you'll always have with you. Now, some of you will struggle. You remember the fateful day where we gave $100 bills from the pulpit? You remember that? Were you here for that? In the old days, I used to do just crazy stuff, right? But then people were like, I gave it to my cousin because she wanted a new bike. I was like, ah, apparently I wasn't clear like mummy in my sermon about what you were supposed to do with that money. Remember, we gave $100 to anybody under 18. They had to give it away and they had to tell us where they gave it, right? Write a poem, take a picture. You remember this? It was kind of fun. I'd like you to do this personally. I'm giving you an assignment. It'll cost you 40 bucks. I'll give you the 40 bucks if you don't have it. I promise I will. Get 40 wands, and every day it's the discipline. Take it and give it away. Now, here's the thing. If you want to move it from one pile to the other, and at the end of 40 days, give it all to People's Resource Center or somebody you know who's poor, your next door neighbor, or even to the Mana Fund. 
You know, there's people who, ever, who use the Mana Fund for alms, that's what it's there for, to give money for. Even if you want to bring it on Easter and give it, put it in your Mana envelope, you can do that. What I want you to do is take the discipline once a day of reflecting on somebody who has less than you, somebody who is in need. If you need help with a target, I can give you help, but I actually, I'm already fronting you the money, so come on, play along here a little bit, okay? So I just want you to give this a try. I just want to just move it from one stack to another, at least the mental prayerful exercise of engaging someone who has less than you and develop the habit of almsgiving, okay? Okay? There you go. Just see what happens. Th six prayers, right? I'm going to give you an assignment. I've never done this before, but I'm retired on the 1st of October. What are you going to do to me? So here's the thing. <laughs> Here's what I want you to do. Everybody can do this. I'm asking you a favor, okay? Every day in Lent, I want you to say the Lord's Prayer eight times. It's a holy number, right? Eight is the number of resurrection and joy. This is not impossible for you, although you might think it is. It's easy to go twice in the morning, twice at noon, twice at, in the evening, and twice before you go. It's easy. You can do it. If you do it, the interesting thing that will happen to you, I think, will be, um, you may not be paying attention the first time around, but while you're hating me, you'll pay attention the second time around, maybe, or at least for a part. I just want you to do it. It'll cost you 40 times eight. It's 320, it's not that big a deal. You can do it. I would like to see what happens to you. I just want to say to you that one of the things that happens in, in and you can read this in the Mothers and the Fathers of the Church, you can find this everywhere. People click into it at some point. So people who can't pray or people who can't give, they start to do it and it's miserable. And then something happens. They sit down to pray one day and when they come back, it's an hour later. And they prayed the Lord's Prayer a hundred times and they have no idea what just happened to them, but it's such a fabulous experience, they're willing to do it the next day. That's the first level of it. The second level of it is, after they do that for six months or a year, Satan attacks them, and they become miserable at 100. And if you read the fathers, if you read the mothers, they give you a very simple piece of advice. Keep going. Because this is just what Christians do. They fast, they give alms, and they pray. That's what they do. And if you're a Christian, it, there's no discussion about if you do it or not. You just beware you don't do it in a way that draws attention to you and puts all the attention on God and on your neighbor. Because, for example, with almsgiving, God gets the praise and your neighbor gets the benefit. And you, you know, go have a cup of coffee somewhere. It's all going to be fine. The Lord's going to spin the world around the sun without you. It's fine. But for just a moment, he'll let you play. Okay? And then finally with fasting. And you can take whatever I did with those uh, oh, back there. Are there still 50 in that stack? 49. There'll be an investigation later. Um... The basic things that are in 19 pages there. All the cool kids are doing it. 
Moses, Elijah, David, Daniel, John the Baptizer, Jesus, the disciples before, and the disciples, not the disciples before, but disciples after. Remember, Jesus says, why don't your disciples fast? Hey, we're still having a party here. But then they fast afterwards because they kind of welcome the time he'll come back. Everybody's doing it. Now, again, this is, can be, this is, I mean, you could just trade the words around. That's why my job is so easy. You could write this for almsgiving or you could write this for prayer. It's a gift and a blessing. It's a discipline, do it, and a freedom, I did it, right? It, this is all kind of in the longer bit. But there's both sides of this. Because why? Because you're two parts. You've got a sinful bad part that needs to be disciplined, and you've got this spiritual wonderful part that needs to express itself in the image of Christ. And that's energized by the Holy Spirit. So you pound down the first bit, and you warm up the second bit. In the morning, make the sign of the cross and say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, what are you doing there? Luther, every day should start with murder. Why? You need to kill the old Adam, right? You drowned him in your baptism. Then he says, he's a good swimmer. He'll be back tomorrow. This is all Luther stuff, right? Good reason to lie. So you kill the bad stuff and you have the good stuff. Now, this is really important. Fasting's not about you. I know we all thought it was about us. Crazy how we do that, right? Adam thought Eden was about him. So weird. But, you know, we all do this. Fasting responds to a sacred moment, which is another way of saying God makes the first move. So you know God takes flesh, or you know God goes up on the mountain, and then you know what happens next? God goes down the mountain, and on the first text, after transfiguration, there's a kid who's flopping around, and his dad says, help him. He throws himself in the fire. And Jesus says, Phew. Cast out the demon, the kid is good. People need mercy, right? Fasting responds to a sacred moment. So up the mountain, sacred moment. Down the mountain, takes care of business. In the world. And maybe God will talk back. Maybe God will respond. It's like when you pray. Maybe God will talk back. Maybe he'll move, maybe he won't. You can rest assured that he's doing the right thing. In fact, the instructions you gave him may be exactly wrong. But don't worry, he'll fix that for you. You pray, you ask for something, and you don't get it. It's because God is giving you something better, Bernard of Clairvaux. Um, you fast, and things don't play out the way you think. Just relax. The Lord will put it all together. That's hope. So fasting helps us see things from God's point of view. Right? This is the whole point. So that you see needy, poor people as important as you. My pocket is your pocket. I'm still going to preach that sermon. We're going to all drop our car keys in the offering plates, and we're all going to randomly pull out car keys and drive home. My car is an 09. I got big bets on going home in a better car. Because <laughs> my pocket is your pocket. My money is your money. My car is your car. Here we go. Sometimes it's good to be poor. Here we go. Fasting helps us see things... Now, just for you who need a little bit of brush-up, fasting means you don't eat. Don't be dumb for Lent, okay? I'm not a doctor. Fasting means you don't eat, and absolute fasting is you don't eat and drink. You know, that should not go on for very long, and especially for... I know, right? Well, I guess the kids aren't going to get baptized. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm a man and not a God. I can only do so much. Here we go. So, you know, if you choose to not eat and not drink, it's a very limited time. 
even in the even in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement is 24 hours. When nothing, that's kind of the cap on nothing. What most of us do, or most people are familiar with, is what's really abstinence, which you give up a thing. Be chocolate, meat, or crabbing at your neighbor. The fathers and mothers are full of this. Ah, you know, you got a bad stomach? Hey, why don't you give up lying for Lent? This is, I mean, this is not, you know. So, um, here's, turn the page, pick a manageable fast. It'll go wrong if you get proud about it. It'll go wrong if you compare notes with everybody else. It'll get wrong if you judge somebody else. It's like when we were walking on the Camino and I had to go 100 miles to get my indulgence and there were these, this group of six who we identified as soft early and then the day it rained, they took a taxi. You cannot get your indulgence if you take a taxi unless you lie to the priest at the end. <laughs> Did I expose him or didn't I? You can decide. Okay, so then, uh, you know, fasting makes this space. You'll be hungry and you'll say, why am I hungry? You'll say, because I didn't eat. Why didn't you eat? Because it's Lent. What's Lent about? Jesus on the cross. Oh, see, that's the prog progression that you go with. Hmm, I don't have money for a Starbucks. Why don't I have money for a Starbucks? Because it's Lent. And I gave my money to somebody who needed a Starbucks. And so then, uh, welcome to the quarantine, the 40 days. So this has an old Latin root for 40, and 40s are all over in the scripture. How we think of quarantine is, uh, we think about it as sickness, and that came from many sources, but the most famous one is, Ships outside Venice, when Venice was the capital of the world, ships had to wait, they had to, they had to anchor for 40 days to make sure nobody was sick before they could come on shore. They're quarantined. It's a time for everybody to get healthy. It's making all sense, isn't it? And so, this is your quarantine. There's one plus three things for you to do. And if you wanna do them, like Christians do, I encourage you. And then to the last page, here we go, this prayer. Which is like, you know, people pray like this, you kind of go, huh, how did they do that? It's like mommy's sermon, you kind of go, huh, like Patrick when he preached, like, I just go, how did, he, how did he, merciful God, you called us forth from the dust of the earth. You claimed us for Christ in the waters of baptism. Look upon us as we enter these 40 days bearing the mark of ashes and bless our journey through the desert of Lent to the font of rebirth. May our fasting be hunger for justice, our alms a making of peace, our prayer the chant of humble and grateful hearts. All that we do and pray is in the name of Jesus, for in his cross you proclaim your love forever and ever. Amen. Happy Lent. I'll see you next week.